Let us go in together, and still your fingers on your lips, I pray. The time is out of joint. O oh, cursed spite, that I was ever born to set it right. I'm Zach Powers. And this is Stage of Fools. Your unofficial Royals podcast. Tonight we'll be discussing Season 3, Episode 5, Born to Set It Right. Cyrus and Helena square off over the family's first public appearance post-Robert's return. Eleanor's ex, Beck, returns to support Robert and clash with Jasper. Liam struggles to control his temper in the wake of Robert's reunion with Catherine. Hello, so welcome back to Stage of Fools. Uh, once again, Zach and I are in our opposite parts of the country and we're conducting this over video chat. I don't know why I felt it was necessary to point that out, but if it sounds different from last episode, that's why. Mm. Uh, but like last time, this was another episode I really enjoyed. Uh, yeah, I think I, I think I probably liked last week's episode a little more because I found it slightly, it was more playful than this one was. This one was very much, I think, doing a lot of table setting for certain things that were going to happen, but, uh, and it didn't have any comedic or goofy punch like the letter writing subplot last week. So I think I preferred last week's a little bit, but this was, this was, uh, perfectly fine. I liked this episode because it had a lot of scheming in it, which is really what I'm looking for from the Royals. And it also had a lot of very obvious costuming choices, such as Cyrus wearing a giant brooch shaped like a spider covered in jewels with a jewel encrusted tie. Like, this episode had a lot of what I need this show to be. He has, like, a jewel encrusted tie that clearly is some kind of clip on because you cannot tie that thing. It is prearranged. It felt, I don't, I would not personally go with, uh, I think that tie does not look particularly, I think it looks a little more gaudy than regal. But. I think you're missing the point. More gaudy than regal is what this show and this podcast is about appreciating. Come on. Sure. I think even for Cyrus, that tie might have been a bit much. I think the spider brooch would have effectively gotten the point of cross. You're a hater and you're bringing me down, Groose. That's just my opinion. Uh, well, I mean, it had a lot of scheming and a lot of strategizing. Obviously, it had too much... Liam moping, but it had less Liam moping than the majority of episodes this season. And I didn't love the Eleanor and Jasper stuff in this episode, but I did love the Helena, Robert, and Cyrus stuff, so it it kind of was more than balanced out for me. I think if, if there's less Liam moping in this episode, it can only be because there must have been less Liam, because I think each scene he's in, he's moping more intensely than he has ever than maybe any human being has ever moped before. Yeah, but he's not around much, and a lot of other characters get in some pretty solid burns on him this episode. Like, at the same press conference where we were talking about Cyrus's costume pieces, he's, like, very close up on camera, and he's talking about Robert, and he says, 
very sincerely. He's my favorite nephew. And he only has two. So it's just like a very good slap in the face to Liam. I absolutely loved that moment. Um, I'm just happy because Cyrus is back. And even Helena, even though she's not an antagonist, is kind of back to her scheming ways. Yeah, I'm excited to continue down the path of Cyrus. Uh, The main set piece of this episode, by the way, is they're preparing for this big public balcony greeting. There's a lot of kind of setting the pieces in motion for the coming conflict over the crown, but also more immediately the placement of each of the family members on the balcony, whether Robert will be in front as king or whether Cyrus will. At least this felt like a real thing that would cause strife in a real royal family situation. I mean, maybe not with the exact set of royals we have now. I'm not trying to throw shade on Queen Elizabeth or Prince William or anyone, but it felt at least like a feasible problem for the royal family to have, which for this show is kind of a major accomplishment. So far, their problems have been extremely unrealistic by and large, but... uh, Yeah, that's a low bar to clear, but... The reason they're having this problem is because one member of the royal family was on an island for over 10 months, but... Still, I think we kind of have Stockholm Syndrome with the Royals a little bit because I realized as I was listening back to Stage of Fools 304, check it out if you haven't already, uh, that we totally never at any point addressed how crazy it is that the prince was on a desert island and he came back because since season one, we've been expecting this to happen. So we just took it so in stride when it did happen. We were like, of course, not realizing that, of course, that's a completely batshit thing. One thing that we haven't addressed is also that Robert's mental state is remarkably good for a person who was living complete isolation for nearly 11 months. That's because he is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But uh, Let's get into... I want to talk about Robert's character some more because this is another super Robert-heavy episode, so we get to see more and more of his character. When we first watched this episode, actually, Zach was the first one to see it. I saw it a couple days later. And you were texting me that he was kind of like bitchy in this episode so I went into it expecting that like he and Liam would totally be at odds or he would be revealed to be like kind of nasty to Catherine or manipulative in some way but he manipulates Cyrus but Cyrus is Cyrus and he's trying to steal the throne from him other than that he's really nice even in the scene where he and Liam are playing darts where it's supposed to be like Liam resents him so much Everything Robert is saying is pretty innocuous. And he's also saying things like, hey, I heard about your charity work. I'm really proud of you. That's great. Like, it's very, very, like, it's funny the stuff Liam is getting resentful over. Like, later on when the confrontation between Liam and Beck happens, Robert goes to Liam and he doesn't even scold him. He says, whatever Beck did to deserve it, talk to me about it. So admitting before he even knows the story that Beck, his best friend, probably did do something to deserve getting tackled. So Robert is extremely patient and emotionally generous with pretty much everyone except for Cyrus. And he even has Cyrus kind of wrapped around his finger. Clarify the charity thing is he is saying that so he can say immediately, I think I'll take that charity from you. I know, but I think he was uh, being genuine. And it kind of does make sense that he would be the one to run that charity since... 
Liam has never seen any military service and Robert was a soldier. Liam is brooding, as I have mentioned, so fucking hard all the time. Robert seems completely oblivious to it. I think the show is playing that, is telegraphing that really hard. Like, Robert obviously thinks they're still super tight and Liam is like literally seething in Robert's shadows. Like, (laughs) one look at his face and you could tell something is wrong and it seems like it was so transparent that something was incredibly wrong with Liam that Robert was completely ignoring that it felt like it had to be almost intentional on his part that he wasn't addressing it. I don't think that's meant to be the case though. I think it's supposed to be like Robert trusts Liam so much that he doesn't know to be looking for the signs of resentment. I suppose that's uh, possible. I think that's more, I think that's the aspect that I was kind of like reading into that he was just being very callow when something was very, and casual when something was very clearly wrong and just kind of ignoring it because he didn't want to deal with it. But uh, you're probably right. I don't know. I mean, part of it is that obviously I like Robert a lot. I feel like I haven't made that a secret since he came on the show. I've been so pleasantly surprised by this character and having scenes with him is such a reprieve from the scenes with Liam that like I won't disguise that I'm really enjoying him as an addition to the cast so that may be slightly tinging my view but I have watched this episode pretty closely twice now and I do feel pretty certain about my assertion that when Robert is oblivious to these moments with Liam it's not intentional because whenever someone on the show is being deceptive the show telegraphs that really really obviously you know there's never like episodes and episodes that go by and then someone reveals oh I knew that all along and I've been playing you like they'll say like one scene later like and now I'm playing him and Robert totally does that with Cyrus in the structure of the episode he says I'm gonna go trick Cyrus He tricks him and then he comes back and says, I just tricked Cyrus. I feel like if he were messing with Liam, the show would not be able to keep that to itself for even an entire episode. My initial read, which is probably incorrect, I'll admit the first time I I watched it twice, the first time in particular, I was kind of half watching during parts of it. Don't admit that on the air. We can't have our listeners knowing that shit. Well, whatever. I I compensated by, by... by doubling down. Probably the only people who watch these episodes twice, yeah. so it's fine. <laughs> I didn't read it as him trying to actually trick him, but just him kind of disregarding Liam's emotional state, not necessarily for any particular gain, just because he wasn't particularly interested. Uh, that seemed less true on my second go-round. I would agree with that, if not for the moment after Liam tackles Beck, who's supposed to be Robert's best friend, and Robert immediately takes his side, forgives him for that happening at what's supposed to be Robert's big day, and just doesn't show like any anger or resentment whatsoever. Mm. And the fact that he hugs him immediately after his official wave on the balcony. Although that seemed extremely, I will admit, the, everything on the balcony felt very stagey to me. Uh, I think that that hug was, regardless of what Robert, whether he was a nice person or not this episode, I do feel that hug was extremely calculated. Yeah, that's fair. But I just, I think it can be calculated and earnest at the same time. I, uh, fair enough. I don't think he only sees Liam as a publicity stepping stone because... Up until Robert left and came back, he would have known his twin younger siblings as a publicity liability, not a publicity asset, because they both had terrible reputations in the press that now, less than a year since his disappearance, uh, 
timeline issues a bit, but now they're still trying to rehabilitate their reputations, according to the show's telling, not showing. Well, I suppose that's true. I do love when that hug happens, the commentators in the background saying, was that a hug? And the other one responds, <laughs> yes, I would say so. It's a full so, body, obvious hug. Clearly a hug. Should we actually talk about what happens in this? Well, I kind of like that we're talking about it in a disjointed way because I feel like towards the end of season two and even the first episode of season three, we were a little bit slaves to the plot. And we know there are people who listen to this who don't necessarily watch the show and aren't maybe necessarily loving our in-depth character analysis of Robert and would prefer to hear about the crazy shit. So, I mean, yeah, let's get into it. Where does this one begin? Does it start with, uh... It's good to be king. It's good to be king. It's another super on-the-nose music cue. It's Robert doing exercises... Helena picking out uh, right, picking okay. out outfits in the most ridiculous way where there's multiple racks of clothing and like 12 staffers are pulling dresses just, off of racks, mm-hmm. showing them to her, and then just walking in a circle, in a giant circle around this yeah. room. She kind of gives it the okay or nixes it, and then they walk off. Amazing. Um, actually, this whole scene is kind of, in addition to the music, there's also... Uh, these newscasters, who are a continuing part of this episode, I mentioned them just a moment ago, talking about the big balcony ceremony today, and they're like... <laughs> when we say, welcome home, Prince Robert. Welcome, welcome home, home, Prince Robert. And then there's a shot of Robert working out, and then it's like, but the current <laughs> king probably has his own agenda, and they cut to Cyrus being... With his face full of needles, he looks like Pinhead. Right, doing acupuncture... And then they talk about what people are going to wear, and it's Helena, and then they say something about how... You can be sure that no one in the palace is resting as preparations for this It's Eleanor day. asleep, but uh, with Jasper getting out of bed, in fact, I believe. But it's kind of um, this framing device for this quick introduction to what every character is up to. These newscasters are something... It's a they fine are... framing device. It doesn't intrude too much. If they used it anymore, it would be incredibly annoying, but thankfully it doesn't totally dominate the episode. Works well enough, I think. Obviously, there are moments like that where they completely bash you over the head with it, but it was pretty restrained. <laughs> and uh, I think there's also in this opening, uh, does it also include Catherine getting the text that is just some meat, a, a meat emoji? Yeah, I think so. Which is... Uh, Robert's very clever way to say, let's meet. So there you go. Yeah. Catherine keeps trying to get in touch with Liam and uh, he finally agrees to meet up with her at her apartment at her super fancy, nice, all white apartment that she owns as a bartender <laughs> because mm-hmm. this is the Royals world. And they talk and she's like, Robert wants to meet and I don't know what to tell him, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of just like reminding the audience that this was his brother's girlfriend and he slept with her and they both act like they lost a child together it's like collateral beauty up in here they're Mm -hmm. like tearfully embracing and i'm my eyes are just spinning in their sockets because i'm rolling them so hard eventually robert comes on his motorcycle which catherine knows catherine knows means quote he wants to go out and she leaves with him 
And Liam, in the only face he makes all episode, broods out the window. Yes, and again, he's like in shadow. Um, He's also in his grunge phase. Mm-hmm. Basically, Robert is wearing what would be a, Le- a normal Liam costume, which is nice shirt and a sweater and an impeccable leather jacket. Because those boys love leather jackets. Liam is now wearing a wardrobe of oversized plaid shirts, unbuttoned over t-shirts with jeans, which, okay, he's having like kind of a sure. Kurt Cobain That's moment, I guess. Yeah, or Nirvana, or Nirvana. Because uh, he's sad now. Mm-hmm, I'm sure. In fairness to the show, he's more Hamlet now than he ever has been before. Fair enough, yes. I'm sure he's listening to a lot of Elliot Smith in the in-between travel scenes in this episode, too. I'm sure it's super intentionally Shakespearean on the show's part. Yeah. As it always is. Very intentionally, of course. They They thought this all the way through. There there were more Shakespeare references in this episode than usual, and there was a Lion King reference. Did you catch it? There was. Yeah, I did. Robert and Cyrus talk about Richard III and his nephews, and Robert calls Cyrus Scar Scar, in an amazing scene that we will get to later. He he refers to him both as Richard III and Scar in the span of about 10 seconds. That is why I'm in love. I mean, I like him very much. Uh Uh-oh, slip of the tongue. That's why I really enjoy Robert as a character. I feel like we'd get along. I think I'm just going to jump to where Robert and Catherine go, which is they go to some kind of park or possibly somewhere on the palace grounds. And Probably this... not on the palace grounds because he wanted to keep their relationship a secret. Right. I didn't know how large the grounds were. Maybe it was a, as he has a secret area for plugs of whiskey, perhaps he has <laughs> quiet areas where he, he knows the paparazzi will not come. He pulls her out of a hole in the tree. <laughs> and they talk. And as you noted to me in uh, one text, they talk more so than Liam and Catherine by a long shot, like real human beings who actually kind of know each other? Yeah, I didn't even notice this till my second watch. I really wasn't paying that good of attention the first time around just to these scenes because I really was not that compelled by Catherine as a character, and I found her scenes with her sister to be, like, kind of unbelievably cliche, tropey rom-com fare. Sure. I kind of was shocked to overcome that in these scenes when I really enjoyed... I actually, there were like a few moments where I could really see the appeal of what they're going for with Catherine as a girl who's very down to earth and normal. Like at one point he's teasing her and is like obviously trying to be flirtatious. And she says in like a sort of sarcastic but sort of serious way, oh, don't fish for compliments, which is like, okay, like a really real moment. And then he's like, you never put me on a pedestal. And she says in a very wry way, well, you had the rest of the world to do that for you. And I was like, Miss Catherine, you do have something to say after all. But more than that, they have these two scenes together and they're pretty sentimental because they're together in the uh, place where they first kissed. And, you know, it's pretty much the first time they've really been alone together since Robert came back from the dead. But with all of that considered, it was still far less cheesy than the Catherine and Liam scenes. Like, he sort of obliquely says that the thought of her helped him survive, but not in a super declarative way. And he ends the scene with, I bloody well missed you, but like in a sort of almost like laughing at himself way. And it's really nice. Unlike everything Liam and Catherine ever say to each other is very melodramatic. Uh, It always has been. And these two talk like human beings who actually kind of know each other and can talk to each other on the basis of personality. 
So here's what Catherine and Liam definitely have in common. They're both fucking idiots who probably <laughs> have confused in the case in that case of that relationship. They have almost certainly confused lust and love, which is, a, I think, a mistake Liam makes pretty often. Yeah. Um, He's called a womanizer, but he also approaches every relationship like it's the, the most life. important. Yeah, like this is the one. But they've also been clear in the show's past that he usually ditches a girl after a few weeks because I think he always convinces himself because he finds a girl pretty that she's going to be his wife. And then they get to know each other and then they break up. And I can't help but feel that if Robert had come back two weeks later, they would have already been broken up. And it yeah. wouldn't, like, it wouldn't have been an issue because they would have gotten to know each other. They do not know each other in the slightest. He's a serial monogamist. And I had a friend like this in college who he would have these, re these long-term girlfriends. And then at a certain point, he would find some other girl to become like romantically obsessed with. And it would be like his forbidden love. And then he would leave that first girl for this next girl and literally start the whole cycle over again and did that many times over because he would you know it'd be some girl who was his friend or some girl who he knew through class or whatever and yeah just like Liam he would find her pretty or intriguing and then because he couldn't have her well then she must be the love yeah. of his life I think this is a common thing for Liam and I think this relationship is doomed but both of them are too dumb to realize they don't know each other and that this is not gonna work out no they're both just like really hot and really blonde and they stare at each other with their giant eyes like deer in the headlights I feel like Catherine particularly the scene where she talks to her sister for romantic let's advice let's get into that is <laughs> doing so much eye acting she's got yes. her eyes are darting all over the place with every single line it's amazing. And every time she like watches the princes on TV. Oh my gosh. I wish podcasting was a visual medium so I could do it for the listener. She's doing like yeah. the total puss in boots eyes. Like, yeah, that's, I, I, unfortunately you can't see it. Yeah, but, you do but I'm doing imagine. it. I'm doing it. It's yes. like, you know, it's like, uh, the Disney princess thing. Picture Amy Adams in Enchanted, but when she's sad. Yeah, she has very doting eyes when she's watching the TV, but when she's talking to her sister, it's so, they're so frantic and all over the place, but also in a way that like, Clearly, this was a decision she made ahead of time, I think. This character just is Ophelia 2.0, because this is all yeah. straight out of the Merritt Patterson playbook. Sorry, yeah. continue. Her eye acting is obvious to the point of distracting, is yeah. my main point about that. Her eyes also take up half of her face, so that's a huge part of it. It does. It's very hard to miss. They're very hard to miss. Um, but she does talk to her sister, uh, who's in this No, no, distress. no. I can explain exactly what it is. It's the ginger spice outfit from Spice World. Yes. The sequin union dress union track, with the white go-go mm -hmm. boots. Uh, that's her outfit for the big balcony ceremony. Uh, she's apparently a fervent royal watcher. And I will say I like Catherine's sister more than Catherine, I think. 110%. And I really misjudged what this character was going to be when they introduced her because she's so into the princes that I assumed when Catherine told her that she was dating both of them, that Angie would find a way to leak this information to them to like maybe turn them Snag against her and try or... to get one of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but then she ends up being incredibly like supportive of her sister and saying like, well, after you decide to pick one of them, let me know. So I don't think they're really going in that direction. But it's almost too bad because she was funny and fun in her scenes. I mean, the Spice Girls outfit obviously helps a lot. But 
you know, she's making dirty jokes and she's really, really just like openly enthusiastic about getting that prince dick. So, yeah, hey, sure. I love her sex positivity. I'm not hating. There was um one joke uh, that mm. perhaps because of her accent, I, I didn't really hear it the first time. Uh, I didn't understand what she said. And then the second time when I I the, did get a better sound. The wobbly H joke. Wobbly H, which yeah. I actually had never heard before. I looked it up, but I, I had an assumption of what it would be before I looked it up. And it was pretty much accurate. I didn't you had told love me, that joke, but You told it was me fine. there was a threesome joke. Yeah. So based on that and the concept of a wobbly H, I think you can infer what a wobbly H is. It's kind of like an Eiffel Tower. Some people yes, may be more familiar I have heard that, with that I have colloquialism. Heard. Mm-hmm. I, have, I, I heard can't believe Eiffel we're t- discussing this. This is yes. a family podcast about it this absolute decidedly not. show. My family listens to it. Well, I mean, if your family watches the show, then I think maybe members of your family also had to Google what a wobbly H is. So How dare you? I'm saying they didn't know. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, but yeah, television news definitely dominates this episode. There's a great scene that was the one I brought up at the beginning of the podcast that that was a really trademark Royals moment when the journalist Crenshaw, who's pretty much the only journalist who's been singled out as a character, kind of like Richard from Lost. He always looks like he's wearing eyeliner, but I think that's just his face. Um, yeah. He's wearing this really fabulous gray three-piece suit with a lilac shirt underneath because lilac is kind of Crenshaw's signature color, which is cool because it's also royal. And he's got like his hand tucked into his waistcoat pocket vest for you Americans. And he's like kind of posing in front of Cyrus and like very snarkily, like bitchily interviewing him. And Cyrus is giving back bitchy answers in return. And this was a high, high point of the episode for me. I'm really enjoying Crenshaw as a character, as like a minor antagonistic sure. force. Especially since he was gone for so long and they suddenly brought him back. Were there any exchanges from it that jumped out at you? Well, the Robert is my favorite nephew thing was obviously right. amazing. But uh there was a moment, there were some artsy moments of editing that super didn't work in this episode for me but there was actually one that i really liked which is cyrus is talking to the reporters and then the instant he turns and looks into the camera the camera switches and they're filming a television screen and you can see that he's looking into a news camera and delivering this interview and then that news interview is on helena's ipad and then she it becomes her scene but it's really smoothly done it do, it's not choppy at all it's really elegantly done and it's kind of a neat moment so there's some artsy stuff i'm going to complain about with the jasper plot line but this wow. moment actually worked for me and I thought it looked really cool but basically the idea is that Cyrus is trying to discredit Robert much like he had planned on discrediting his own daughters so that his infant son could succeed him uh, last season he wants Robert declared mentally unfit to rule I don't think they go into it very much but uh, I think that there would be a question of his mental state after his extended stay on this island alone for 11 months. That's not entirely an uncredible thought that a person who has been essentially in complete isolation, solitary confinement 
for 11 months would be mentally unfit to rule a country. Yeah, and he came back in that Rasputin costume. That's true, yes. He had that weird, clearly fake beard. And eyeliner. He was obviously wearing eyeliner. Yeah. I mean, he had been shaving on the island. We saw it in the flashbacks. He just put on this fake beard for some reason. I got to interject. I don't want people to think that I think men wearing makeup is weird. It's not. It's weird that someone would come off a desert island wearing some. But then again, we see a scene this episode where Eleanor wakes up wearing false eyelashes. So who knows? Since we almost kind of finished it anyway, I just want to run through Catherine and knock that off. Yeah, I didn't Um, even realize she had anything more this episode. Well, Angie kind of tells her, the scene ends with her and her sister getting advice, is with her sister saying, you should definitely not tell the truth. And it immediately cuts to a much darker, bleaker looking scene with her and Liam in a different alleyway where she says, we have to tell the truth. Which was, I guess, kind of a funny joke that she decides to do the exact opposite of what her sister advises her to do. Yeah, even though her sister is a lot more likable, the scenes between Angie and Catherine made Catherine seem more likable. Yes. Because it like gave her some humanity. She didn't doesn't exist just to be another one of Liam's emotional support women. She like is starting to have a fledgling personhood, which is great. Really, the kind of the last thing, aside from a few shots of her watching the TV later, are uh, Liam says, OK, I'm going to be the one to tell him and I'm going to tell him today. Terrible idea. So he heads off and there are a few other scenes between Robert and Liam, but he does not reveal the secret in this episode but we have to talk about a few things in those scenes because the darts the darts are just everywhere darts mean everything slings and arrows of outrageous fortune are flying left and right uh uh, robert is just like bullseye 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 obviously because he's the fonz right and then liam is playing with him and he's throwing darts so bear in mind I loved this moment. It was so stupid. Earlier in the episode, we already saw Liam seeing Catherine and Robert leaving together on Robert's motorbike. And Catherine was like, Robert wants to see me. He said he wants to meet all that jazz. So they're playing darts. And Robert says, I saw Catherine today. And Liam acts like this is a total surprise and like wildly misses the dartboard. Throws it very long and... And is fighting tears as he goes to pull the darts out of the board. (laughs) The ghosts of his past are glistening in his eyes. This scene, more than any other scene in the episode, is I think where he turns up the the brooding to fucking 10 billion. Because, like, he's very terse. He barely speaks. Um, He, like, the same look that he has plastered on his face... The entire episode of like just this like deep tragedy that he's trying to come to terms with. But like in this episode, it's it's even more set. It's like in stone on his face. Uh, it's an absolutely it's the worst Liam scene. He's so goddamn broody and Robert's just playing a game with him. I think his behavior at the balcony thing is worse, but, mm, you maybe. know, we'll get into it as we often say. We'll get there. Um, uh, There's another thing in this scene. We mentioned it a little bit at the top of the episode. Robert uh, says that he'd like to take over or he, their mother thinks he should take over Liam's military charity work. First of all, I can't feel that sorry for Liam about this because the one scene we saw where he discussed this with Willow, it was implied to me at least that she was going to do 100% of the work. Yeah. And the other thing was 
even though Catherine annoyed me a lot less than she usually does in this episode, as soon as Robert mentioned that military charity, I was like, you know who works on that military charity? Willow, Robert and Willow, two moral yet competent characters in the same place at the same time. Who knows what could happen? I just feel like it's not going to. I feel like it's if not the show going does, to happen. Yeah. If the show does anything, Willow's had a long term crush on Liam and they'll end up with. Liam realizing, because he is a fuckboy monog- serial monogamist, being like, oh, I liked Willow all along. The show acts like Willow's like a shy nerd, even though all of her costumes last season were corsets with skirts attached to them. And she mm-hmm. still looks absolutely slamming, absolutely every single time she's on the show. Like, it's bizarre. They act like she's like this quiet, bookish girl, instead of a girl who was in the champagne dunk tank last season. Right. Who's like, yeah. hold my shoes, I'm partying so fucking hard. It's one of their classic character rewrites. Although, um, for probably for worse, Willow is not actually in this particular episode, so... Uh, I missed her. But also, sometimes it's like there's just not enough time. The show has a lot of characters. We'll get back to the balcony scene later, because it's kind of the culmination of everything. But I'm glad we got the Catherine stuff out of the way. Like I said, uh, she was a lot less annoying this episode. And I'm starting to feel, again, this may just be my love for Robert showing, but... Uh, so far, the scenes he has been in with other characters has really elevated those characters sure. and given them something to do. With the possible exception of Liam, although Liam was kind of already a lost cause. But I really enjoyed watching Robert and Helena and Cyrus lay off of each other as a group of three this episode. Yeah. One takeaway. Early early episode, there's a scene between Robert and Helena. And I think a big difference between the two of them is... Robert is much better than Helena, it seems to me, at least from this episode, at planning for the big picture, whereas Helena is caught up in the details, because Helena is very concerned about the placement at the balcony ceremony, where Robert is laying the groundwork to make sure he keeps the throne. And the, another huge difference that separates uh, Robert from his mother and his siblings uh, is that they react so emotionally, like one slight, mm-hmm. and Helena is ready to bring up every piece of blackmail she's ever had on Cyrus, including, according to her, the time he caused a syphilis outbreak in the Cotswolds and, like, basically bring down the reputation of the royal family over this. And Robert very calmly is like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to beat him in his own game. I'm going to trick him into thinking what I want was his idea. Like, Mom, you just have to, like, take a deep breath and do this step by step. And you're right. Think about the big picture. So he seems to be the only one in the family who can separate logic from emotion, yet still respond to things like his father's death in a human way. Really, when I think about it practically, Helena's penchant for scheming in this episode is pretty poor on the whole. Oh, she fucks up and he has to fix her fuck up. So early in the episode, she goes to Cyrus. On Robert's advice, she says, he says, just try to play nice with him. It's the best we can hope for. We can't. Strong arming him is going to be a whole clusterfuck for the whole press. So just try to be nice and we'll see what we can get out of him. And she goes and she's nice to him and he pretends to be nice to her and he's like, I understand completely. It's only fair if Robert takes the crown and the lead at the balcony ceremony. And for some reason she just believes him yeah this was really a low moment for her season one helena would have been embarrassed by this and it's not until the reveal with the crenshaw scene we talked about earlier that she realizes oh he was lying 
to my face. Cyrus, of, what did you of think? Of course he was. I, I, I was thinking about this today. I kind of have to talk about it for just a second. Because it's my conclusion is that Cyrus has been king you're, for you're, three... Go back to your evidence dungeon, Zach. Take the yarn and go. I would say three months, four <laughs> tops. Cyrus is acting like there's a chance that even like... The Privy Council, which I guess would be people from, I don't know, the House of Lords, maybe some sure. people from the House of Commons, whoever it is, like these people that he's denigrated and disgraced by like <laughs> knighting prostitutes, having them jailed, having them thrown in sex cages and also replacing a bunch of people with like his allies in their positions. Gee, who yeah. does this remind you of? Um, like they're all going to vote for him over Robert, who is a young man who could conceivably be more easily influenced than someone like Cyrus. Robert goes to Cyrus and he talks about how he always liked him as an uncle. Where's the chap who gave me my first sip of liquor? And my second. He took him to Madame Gigi's, which I assume is it, a... Obviously a brothel. Which yeah. I hated that joke. I don't enjoy these jokes about how like... Oh, isn't it fun and funny for, like, grown men to indoctrinate these young male relatives into sex with grown women? Like, it's always struck me as a quasi-emotionally incestuous thing, and I did not enjoy that joke. I also feel like it's broadly out of character for Robert to have gone to a brothel, but... I don't um, know. He seems like he has sort of has some, like, straight male pitfalls, but... Sure. I mean... <laughs> who doesn't uh, uh but i i think this is a good example of what i meant when i was talking about robert and liam how you can be kind of manipulative and genuine at the same time because i think that what robert is saying about like cyrus giving him his first taste of alcohol and how he hates to see him sick i think all of that is true but he's obviously taking the truth and using it in a certain way to manipulate cyrus so sure. it can be both at the same time he's getting cyrus to go for this plan of initially they say maybe let the judges decide who should take the crown or ultimately they settle on a quote privy council which Cyrus kind of comes up with, but it feels like maybe Robert was leading him down the primrose path to this particular. Yeah. Robert says after that he was, that was his idea to do a privy council and he like led Cyrus there. Yeah. That's what he tells so, his mother anyway. Right. Uh, so he manipulates Cyrus pretty ably while maintaining a positive relationship, a very pretty positive relationship with him, more so than anybody else in the family. That's for sure. That's because he understands how to play the game without immediately responding to everything with, like, an emotional level 10, which is how everyone else has acted. I guess in that way, he's more like Simon than like Helena. Come on, Scott. Don't be so grumpy. It's me. Uh, he gives up his position in the front at the balcony. That's that's the compromise. Yeah, but let's save the balcony scene for after we discuss the Eleanor and Jasper stuff. Sure. I'm just saying that this was something they discussed at the time, and Helena is aghast that he gave it up in uh, a follow-up scene, but he assures her that he's just going to take the wave. Yeah, so. and... You know, it is sort of important because the public is watching, but like we mentioned earlier, he has a better sense of the fact that, like, it is ultimately just a matter of decorum and doesn't actually have any impact on policy. And so it's not what should be their top priority. Although Helena, sure. who spends a lot of the episode obsessing about both her own outfit and her daughter's for the, uh, oh, yes. I don't know what you want to call this, for the public appearance. 
um, you know, she's obviously someone who's always been very obsessed with appearances. Right. Uh, we first see her and this can kind of take us into the Eleanor stuff. I mean, she has a really brief scene that I, I don't even want to talk about really with Liam where Liam is sad and she's just like stick by your brother. And she has this dumb speech about how people need chieftains and who has the tallest feathers on their head. And I did not like it. I didn't like the dialogue in that scene. So we will stand today on that balcony as the personification of the idealized family and people in our nation, dare I say across the world, will feel more settled and secure because of it. Uh, I'm a total Anglophile. Like I studied abroad in London basically just because I love English stuff. I don't I'm not one of those people who's like, who even cares about the British royal family? But I got to say, I don't know that I would feel comforted by anything that they do right now. Whatever. It's her her dialogue in that scene. I don't like Liam is broody and shit. It's whatever. This show is super royalist, but that's kind of like the nature of the show. It wouldn't make sense if they were anything but I mean, it would be a different show if it were like a scathing critique of modern monarchy, but it's not. Sure. I just don't think that that scene was particularly well written from. No, it's not good. Yeah. Helena has been speechifying a lot. If it were a simpler speech, though, there's a nugget of an effective point in there where she talks about how he's going to be at Robert's right because he's going to be his right-hand man. She could have given a genuinely motivational speech about how, like, just because you're not the king doesn't mean you're not going to have the power to affect your brother and therefore shape policy and be able to, you know, have the power to help people and affect people's lives. But Not that... Whatever. To the degree to which Liam, give, Liam gives a shit about that is is unclear. He he's just sad because his the girl he found three days ago might might go away. I think. And I would like to point out that uh, so according to the press, Robert has been given the nickname Prince Lazarus. That is a way cooler like catchphrase tagline than hashtag King Liam. Yeah. Hashtag King Liam is just. Liam plus hashtag and the title king, but like Prince Lazarus, that's some imagery. Apparently they've also been comparing him to King Arthur. I'm like, damn, I would take King Arthur over a stupid hashtag any day. We like Willow, but I feel like she could have been more creative with her with her movement title. She wasn't trying to spark a movement, though. She was just, like, thirsty as hell. Sure, fair enough. Because she's a bookish nerd who can just never get anyone to love her. Don't you understand? Boys don't notice her. Right. Fair enough. She Um, doesn't even have a ponytail to take down and glasses to take off. This is an outrage. I guess that just leaves Jasper and Eleanor's storyline. Helena is picking out a dress for the public appearance, and she has Eleanor come in and help her choose and... Of course, Helena is deciding between a magenta dress and a white dress. And Eleanor points out that the white dress would be virginal. And Helena says, so we'll go with the magenta. Yet just another, you know, subtle, not really slut shaming, but just okay joke from the royals about how the queen has a lot of sex and everyone knows that she has a lot of sex. Well, she did a few months ago broadcast that she had been cheating on the king. Yeah, but the show has really moved on from that, to be honest. She wants Eleanor to wear the dress that she apparently wore out on the balcony the day she and Simon presented baby Liam and Eleanor to the public. And it's like very 80s, obviously, lacy, tons of jewels, full skirt, bows on the shoulders. 
But mm-hmm. Eleanor, in classic Eleanor fashion, agrees to take it because it's so it's so important to her mother that she wear this. I mean, Helena is just like absolutely like making this a huge deal. So Eleanor takes it, and because she's Eleanor and she's like a magic rebel, she rips off the bottom of the skirt and rips off the bows and then like adds some sort of a fringe trim in a scene that we don't see that must have required hours of sewing. And it's perfect. This scene takes place in the course of a day. And the last time we see her ripping parts of the dress, I think it's only a couple of hours before the balcony ceremony. So I don't know how she got this tailored. So miraculously quickly, but... Well, she does have a huge staff at her disposal, I guess, so it's less of an anomaly than it would be on another show, but... And speaking of that huge staff, in the morning after uh, Jasper leaves, and there's like a cute moment where she taps her cheek, like, kiss me on the cheek before you go, but then when he leans in, she turns her mouth and kisses him on the face, and I was like, oh, okay, I like things. Um... And then who should come in bearing bacon but Lord Twisden Beckwith the third? Yes. Who's looking more and more like a sex predator than ever. He looks sure. like super gaunt in this episode. Did you yeah. notice that? I'm like, are you okay, dude? Is he wearing his ceremonial garb for the entirety of the episode? No, he this- comes in wearing one of the Royals' signature impeccable leather motorcycle jackets over a sure. shirt that has like a kind of a deeper V that I feel like we've seen any of the boys in lately. More so than his last appearance, where I think he was supposed to be a very nice person who was trying to help Eleanor, or at least that's what the show wanted him to be. It was convenient for him to be that. And then yes. now it's convenient for him to be something else. So his personality has changed entirely. Yes. Now but we is, still now hate him. Prudent for him to be an asshole. We hated him uh, then and we hate him now. Just for different yeah. reasons. Yeah, the show just agrees with us now. But uh, essentially... They listen to Stage Fools. This is a guy who was Eleanor's first love. Dated for like a day earlier this year again. And he tried to get her off drugs. Then he left his wife for her <gasps> I forgot point. about that! Holy shit, yeah. Yeah, and he, like, came back to her and some, I don't, it didn't work out for some reason, and then he just left and didn't see her again for months, and now he's back. And he's just like, hey, guess what? Fuck me, I'm back. <laughs> yeah, so I actually kind of liked this scene, though, because Eleanor shuts down his bullshit at absolutely every turn and is almost like an audience surrogate at times because uh, he comes in with a plate of bacon, which is a good start uh, as far as things go. And then he sits down on her bed and she's like, uh, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, I'm here to serve in Robert's ceremony thing for the day, but I really just came to see you. And she goes like, your best friend came back from the day and you're just here to see me and like immediately calls him out on his bullshit. So I enjoyed that moment. And then when she tells him she has a boyfriend and she won't be flirtation with him, he vindictively withholds the bacon and she laughs in his face and leans over to her intercom and goes bacon extra crispy, which normally I believe in saying please and thank you to everyone who serves you but the point was made like she has staff to make that for her she doesn't need sexual blackmail bacon I think she says bacon extra crispy and please hold the unnecessary flirtation or something the presumptuous flirtation or something like that yeah yeah 
I liked that moment. I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, fuck this guy. Who? How does he figure out, does Robert tell him that Jasper is Eleanor's new boyfriend? I think he must. Yes, let's talk about that scene. This was one of those scenes you see on a lot of TV shows where it's like a new character who's been introduced, but we have to make it seem like we've known each other forever and he's been here the whole time. So Robert and Beck embrace and it is like the fakest we are old best friends thing ever. Like it's a really low acting moment even for the royals. And Beck makes some like rude ass comment like making fun of the fact that Robert was on a desert island and now he's back and then immediately goes like So your sister gotta uh, ask she claims to have a new boyfriend. Who is he? If my best friend and I saw each other after she thought that I was dead and then she was like, so is your brother single? I would be so pissed. Like, he doesn't even wait a sentence in. Again, Beck is, at, at least this time more intentionally, a complete dick. I don't know if they've meant him to be a dick in this scene, but he certainly comes off as one. I think they must have to... See your best friend after you think they're dead to hug once and then be like, so who's your sister fucking is insane. Yeah, it's nuts. Uh, but uh, he gets the, the news that Jasper is her new uh, boyfriend. I think he says, is this the scene where he says, does your family have a thing for the help? He does. He's like, what is it with your family and the help? Which is such a nasty way of putting it. But I mean, Robert doesn't deliver the news about Jasper derisively. And he actually says in like a very non talking down way that normal people can be quite calming. And I think he means it sincerely. I think he's also kind of talking about Catherine, Catherine. or is yeah, he's he to be. calls Kate, which I also like because it mm -hmm. makes me think of Taming of the Shrew, my least favorite Shakespeare play, but still something I'd rather be watching than the Royals. Anyways, uh, a little later, Beck finds Jasper and is able to identify him, I guess, accurately as the boyfriend, despite I don't think knowing what he. I guess they've met, right? I guess Jasper and Beck yeah, must he knows have him met. by name from last season or from right. season one or whatever. Um. And is immediately asks him to get him a bottle of Perrier. And he like calls him a footman. It's just like the stupidest. I don't even want to get into the details because it was the dumbest like bullying yeah. intimidation scene ever. Right. Like they're talking about like what guns they have and stuff. I was sure. asleep. I was like asleep laying face yeah. down on the ground. Yeah, he, he, he mocks Jasper's gun and says, we carry swords in Britain. And he has like this fucking sword. I don't know. It's. I'm a lord and you will address me as such. You will call me sir. Blah, right, blah, it's blah. It's just like classism shit that he kind of tosses in Jasper's face. It's like Drago Malfoy, but non-magical or Tom Felton in any other movie he's ever been in. <laughs> sure. He's got a. He's been typecast just a little bit. He's the guy in that movie, um, Belle, where Gugu Mbantha-Ra plays a mixed-race noblewoman. He's like, she's so dirty. How can you let her be around you? Like, all of his roles are exactly like that. Yeah, he's also a, an asshole to all the apes in the Planet of yes. the Ape movie. Yeah, I can't watch those movies because the animals cruelty makes me too sad but maybe i'll watch them now that the monkeys have taken over i think the second well second one was a little better because the monkeys had their own thing going but um anyways <laughs> team monkeys honestly after 2016 maybe a monkey takeover would be for the best the villain Who's in the second one, the main the main villain in the second one is a is a monkey there's a good monkey and an evil monkey 
<laughs> Why are we talking about that? Isn't that always um, the way? Um, anyways. Um, <laughs> so then Liam comes in and actually in his only non-mopey scene, maybe. He's like trying to be a friend to Jasper and be like, hey man, tell me your problems. What's the deal with Beck? And hey buddy. Yeah, he's like, I could order you to tell me what's going on, but I prefer you tell me as a friend. It's very sweet. Oh. And those um, boys. Heterosexual male friendship is the cutest thing ever. Yeah, they talk I mean, about their Sorry, bromances. I forgot. Men bromances. don't have friendships, they have bromances. Yes, of course. All my bromances. <laughs> There's one more Jasper and Liam thing, though. It's actually right. not related to Beck. Uh, Liam admits to Jasper that Catherine mm-hmm. was Robert's girlfriend, which apparently he didn't know before. And I just wanted to briefly mention that moment because they didn't do that thing that the Royals always does, where there's information that someone hears that should be super obvious to them, but they're like, what? What do you mean? I appreciated that as soon as Liam said her boyfriend was dead and then he became undead, Jasper immediately understood that he was talking about Robert because what else would he be talking about? But I was totally bracing myself for Jasper to be like, what do you mean? Because it usually takes a lot of explanation for anyone to understand anything. Instead, Jasper responds immediately with, uh, holy shit, which I think he delivers pretty well. Yeah. Um, it actually struck me in that moment how much more, at least in this particular instance, I was enjoying Jasper's performance than Liam's. I thought oh, he did totally. shit much, like, pretty well. And I don't think, like, maybe it was just to make a bad, one bad scene. I'm not putting down the actor entirely. He's done some good stuff on the show, I think. But I, j- I just felt like Liam's part of that conversation was flat. And I thought Jasper was doing a much stronger yeah. job. He's doing this, like, expressionless thing now that he's super depressed over Catherine. It's, like, bizarre. Actually, in the balcony public appearance moment, I don't know if you noticed, Liam stands like a robot. Like, his arms are curiously far apart from his sides, and his face is just totally dead. It looks like (laughs) someone put a Liam doll down into the scene. The Madame Tussauds mannequin came instead of actual Liam. I guess Liam tells Eleanor that there's this kind of conflict at some point. Oh, but not before I think Jasper sees Beck talking to Eleanor one more time. Well, Remind first, me the timeline on this. First, <laughs> yeah, I just rewatched it. So first, Jasper is, uh, after he leaves Eleanor's bedroom, he goes to the room of security cameras where the guards, I guess, just take turns sitting and watching. And he sees Beck leaving Eleanor's bedroom and obviously he freaks out. So he confronts her later on in the episode at the entranceway to one of the secret passages and is like what was he doing coming out of your bedroom because in the royals universe if a man and a woman are not related to each other and they are alone in a room they are most certainly rubbing their genitals together like nine out of ten times actually i won't even say if it's a man and a woman any two people who aren't related right but especially especially heterosexual couples Mm mm-hmm or if one of them's a body double. Or a bodyguard. Anything with body in the title. Yeah, I may be conflating a few scenes, but like, it's another episode of manufactured problems for Eleanor sure. and Jasper. Every single problem they've had this season has been 
Jasper going, I'm not good enough for you. And Eleanor going, mm-hmm. like, trust me, I have to give you a pep talk. I'm like one of Liam's emotional support women. But now for you, I'm just going to give you a monologue about how you're just be yourself. <laughs> Which, yeah. okay, it's fine. And about, like, that's the thrust of them all. They're all about, like, a vaguely different conflict. Like, communication or trust. publicity or trust. Yeah. But it's essentially the it's same It's like conflict. the love dare. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping, I think this will actually change maybe next episode because the, the next time on made it look like Robert is going to have problems with Jasper based on researching his past. So I, I was think- hoping we could have one episode without manufactured bullshit problems between the two of them that get resolved at the end of the episode. Well, I think at least this time the problem will be a little more external than it has been uh, in the past three episodes. Yeah, at least Robert is a character who matters, unlike Beck, who I really couldn't give a rat's ass about. So I'm just going to power through this. It's a lot of back and forth of like, Eleanor hears from Liam that Beck was rude to Jasper so she goes and balls back out and gives him this speech about how like class comes from how you act not how you were born and she throws his like big box of historical medals on the ground and he reacts in a very royals way by just like passively staring at the ground and like sure okay um and uh she goes uh, back to her room and at some point that comes in and apologizes and they're smoking weed together as a peace pipe which is another thing like okay just like spirit animal let's just rip it off from the Native Americans moving on um, and they hug and Jasper sees them on the cameras and then my least favorite thing maybe this season happens which is it's like talking heads super close up on the security cameras telling J- it's like Starts with Beck. So at first you think, oh, maybe Beck is really talking directly into the security camera. Yeah, but the perspective is still weird. So he's in the security camera room, and Beck's face is, like, super close up on a camera that would be, like, aerially above that big room where Helena has her desk and her meetings. It is initially, I think, possible that Beck would want to just talk. Yeah, it seems that way for a moment. And then other characters begin to show up. Uh, It's Robert, Liam... Sarah Alice, Jasper himself, but like an evil version of himself, and then the lone positive voice talking into the TV is Eleanor saying, trust me, listen to me, trust me. (laughs) Jasper's voice goes, you're going to trust her? Super loudly behind her at one point. Or like, trust her, that's what you should do, oh yeah. Basically they're bringing up different things, like I don't remember exactly what Robert says, but Liam's like... I'm just lying to you. I'm just telling you what you want to hear. Yeah, it's like super obvious. It's kind of like the moment Ron smashes open the locket and that shit comes out of the Horcrux, but a million times less good. Um, but Sarah Alice makes fun of his eyebrows. Which is a running thing now. Uh, and, and to hammer this point home, that we're talking about trust... He is working on a letter to her at the beginning of the scene, and the last word he has written on the paper is trust. Oh, he writes, I trust you. Yeah, and he also, yeah. like, dramatically turns off all the security cameras, and he turns it back on, it's normal. This just looked so bad, and it was so cheesy and so heavy-handed. It was unbearable. The point is, they meet in the tunnels, and 
Eleanor pep talks him. We kind of went over that. They, she takes him up to the throne room and they fuck on the throne. Which seems like a bad idea. I'm going to say bad idea. Typical royal sex scene. A woman who's very, very scantily clad in only underwear, stockings, and a garter. Man fully dressed in a suit. This is exactly what happened with the last sex scene we saw where Liam was fully dressed and Catherine was naked with a blanket wrapped around her. Or any Cyrus sex scene where the girl is wearing like a fetish costume and he's fully dressed. Or any Helena scene where her love interest is fully dressed and she's wearing something scantily clad. So I was just like, it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't an offensive sex scene like some of the ones Eleanor and Jasper have had. But I was just like, whatever. It was supposed to be this big dramatic moment when she like took off her dress and she was wearing this super sexy lingerie and like... Yeah, Alexandra Park is an amazingly good-looking lady. She looks great, but it's also kind of just like the name of the game with this show. Like, the women are super undressed, and the men are not, even though I think the show skews towards a more female audience, so it doesn't really seem fair. Like, the male gaze does tend to sneak in there in the most heteronormative way sometimes. I mean, we noticed before with other stuff, like the, again, this seems to be diminishing a little this season, but the made outfits from previous seasons and such were also an example. For this show, it's not that crazy, but it does strike me as fucking both brazen and inappropriate to have sex on the throne in the middle of a day during an active day in the palace, but sure. Yeah, a day very much centered around that throne. And I think Cyrus, if this all happens in one day, then Cyrus was just in there with all the reporters like the, yeah. in the morning and then they're in there for some afternoon delight. Yes. But I mean, it's nothing that revolutionary. It's more just, it's more manufactured conflict for Eleanor and Jasper to have so that then they can have like dramatic makeup sex while a pop song plays loudly. Uh, And then it's pretty much time for the balcony scene. Yeah, a pop song about You're My Cinderella or something. I imagine. Yes, you're right. Those literally were the lyrics. Yeah, so then the balcony scene where everything kind of resolves. Beforehand, everyone is like lining up and getting ready. Helena is admiring the dress that Eleanor made. And as kind of cheesy as this whole dress thing was, and like obviously Eleanor turned it around really, really quickly, I much prefer Helena and Eleanor getting along to Helena, like making jokes about her being a slut and having eating disorders and stuff. So it was preferable it was kind of a cup they had some sweet moments like i didn't mind any of that storyline even if it was a little cheesy uh but beck sees eleanor looking adoringly at jasper who is trying to get liam to stop drinking so heavily from the flask that he has on him And Beck is like, next time you're talking to Liam, try calling him your majesty, like know your place, even though Liam obviously gets off on like just being one of the guys. Yeah. So this all culminates in Liam tackling Beck back through the double doors where Cyrus is sitting on the throne in front of a massive audience. Yeah, with the, the huge, the crown on his head, the large, yeah. And Cyrus just starts clapping He's Italy, very delighted. Of course. I mean, that makes sense. That's fair. I actually kind of liked this moment. I enjoyed Cyrus clapping. I enjoyed... It was the least... Of, it was the best thing Liam did all episode. Um, oh, totally. Beck's an asshole, so it's nice to see him kind of get tackled. Uh, yeah. This, this yeah. moment... I more I kind of enjoyed this moment. I was a little bit frustrated just because it was so strategically stupid of Liam in terms of, like, if he wants to advance 
the Simon Henstridge children further towards the throne instead of the Cyrus sure. Henstridge branch of the family. But yeah, I mean, whatever. I, I guess that didn't really moment. bother me because Liam's fucking he's an idiot. It was something that happened, so I was oh, totally okay with it. And uh, it, it's over pretty quickly. Like they get lifted back out of mm-hmm. the throne room, and the doors are closed. And Cyrus resumes his little talk. One yes. assumes, and like I said, Robert is immediately super forgiving and is like, "Whatever Beck did to deserve it, talk to me. I'm your brother, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And maybe that's because Beck asked him about if his sister was available immediately after seeing him earlier. Fuck that guy. Seriously. Although I did want to say, I sort of came to the conclusion this episode that there's not more than two or three years in between the twins and Robert. It felt that way. Like there's not a huge age difference. It doesn't particularly matter, but I thought about it a little bit. Yeah, I don't think it's ever been stated, but yeah, I guess they're probably pretty close. Uh, If they're dating the same woman, I imagine that's an indication that they're probably not super far off. Yeah. Well, I just thought of it when Beck said, I wish it could be like when we were kids and everything was so innocent between us. It seems like when they initially brought Beck on the show, they made it seem like he was this much older boy who had been like kind of preying almost in a way on a young Eleanor and like she lost her virginity to him, but it wasn't his first time or anything. I think you're right. I think they might say the ages of Beck and Eleanor the difference between Beck and Eleanor in that episode. I would be curious to go back and flick through that episode and check it out. And maybe I will, because I would be interested to know how far apart in age Robert and the twins are. But I just feel like it's not as much as I once thought. But again, it really doesn't matter. I think they might mention it in the Monaco episode, but I'm not sure. Then, so Robert says, I like, I also like the line. Okay, everyone, we're going to be extremely British right now and pretend that none of that just happened. That was an episode high point for sure. And so they, I think that's about it before they proceed onto the balcony, right? I don't think anything else of substance happens before. Nope. They go onto the balcony and the commentators are very, everyone is very struck by the fact that Cyrus comes out first because to them that seems to indicate that Everyone still considers him to be the head of the family and the head of the household. But it is Robert from behind Cyrus's shoulder who gives the first official wave. Which he said he was going to do earlier. Yeah, he said he was just going to take it. And Cyrus is obviously annoyed and like people notice that Robert was the first one to give the wave. And then Robert turns and embraces Liam who seethes. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember how we get to this point, but the episode ends with Robert, I mean not Robert, Liam throwing darts at the dartboard and getting... Like bullseyes, 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 blackout. Like they repeat, Liam can do darts too. Oh no! They even don't show the last bullseye, but they repeat the sound from Robert getting the bullseye of the two darts clinking together. Yeah, which I guess was a nice touch. Um, but I will say the shot uh, on the balcony seemed like it might have been a pretty expensive shot. Um, it looks good, and there, was, there seems like there's does, a lot of extras. It seems like there are genuinely a lot of extras. Uh, there's this sort of shot of like uh the the air force doing like you know uh a colored, flyover yeah with with different colored trails chemtrails you mean chemtrails the truth is so. out there and it seems it, it's either edited together very genuinely uh, well or it seems like they maybe genuinely hired a couple of planes i don't know but uh, i don't think that they hired planes that seemed computer generated to me but the crowd seemed real which is more than i've been able to say in the past yeah, yeah. it looks good it, everything looked good i mean this show if it has a strong point then it may be the visuals like we've always enjoyed the sets and costumes and in 
generally the way things are shot. Obviously, there are those artsy missteps. Like, I really aggressively hated how just eye-bleedingly ugly the talking heads in the Jasper scene looked. But typically, most of it looks pretty good. Um, But I guess that's about the size of this episode. Yeah, Uh, a lot happened. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if we're going to briefly talk about what to expect going forward, um, I have I, theories. I don't know. I, I, I don't, I haven't thought about it enough to form anything conspiratorial about it. Um, we have obvious conflict lines that are going to happen. I feel like Liam is not going to tell Robert in the next episode because it seems like it's a goofier one for the most part. Or if he does, he'll tell him very late in the episode. It's it's a Christmas one with a very sitcom like, you let the help go? We have to fend for ourselves. <sighs> like, that's the storyline. Kind of looking forward to it. I'm yeah. sure there'll be some cringy moments, but... Okay, so one of the things I've loved about recording as we go this season is I can make predictions And I have just been feeling this season, like, this dynamic of who's going to get the throne, Cyrus versus Robert versus Liam, cannot last past this season or will not last past this season, since it seems like every season has a somewhat self-contained story. And it gives me no pleasure to make this theory, but I believe after this season, either Cyrus or Robert will permanently exit the show. Either Cyrus, this would be my dream, even though I'd be sad to lose Robert. Cyrus will kill Robert, which I don't think will happen. I think there's a chance that Cyrus may exit the show. I've been wondering about that since he had cancer, which seemed like at any moment there's a doorway to drop him out. But I feel like the conflict they're moving towards is Liam versus Robert and Cyrus maybe extraneous to that i don't know this is a very loosely held theory at this point but i feel like either cyrus or robert will be gone if the show has a season four which is an if still at this point even if robert does he kills robert technically both liam and eleanor are uh, in line ahead of him for the throne still yeah i think it could revert to a cyrus versus liam conflict but i don't think it will stay this three-person conflict yeah I know that Eleanor is in the running, but she's not interested right now. And she's the no, youngest I, one. I mean, obviously, they'll have to do something about this Catherine storyline before the end of the season. I am regretful to say. It feels like once he knows, it will wrap up relatively quickly, but that's probably not true. It feels like he's going to ask her to marry him. Yeah. Because he's uh, like, I thought a lot about what was important when I was on that island. It was days like this. The show opens with speculation about who his wife is going to be. I think that he's going to ask her to marry him and she's going to be like, oh, I don't know. I need time to think about this. And in that time, it will be revealed to Robert by Liam or somehow that she was sleeping with Liam. And that will be a huge source of conflict. That's my prediction. It'd be good if Cyrus got that bit of information. It would be a good bit of information to leverage. Oh, that would be amazing. Oh, my gosh. That would kind of be the ultimate way to draw this all together. But I don't I don't know. I mean, I hope, but I just don't know. Yeah, if he could get... I mean, that would be a legitimate move for him. If he got those two publicly sparring, he could probably strengthen his claim that he should just remain on the throne. But um, the actor who plays Cyrus is so excellent and he has done such a superb job on this show that it almost makes me wish this show was on another network so he could get more recognition for how great mm -hmm. he is. But that said, 
if they can't in the next few episodes find a way to make him interesting and relevant and tied into the story again, which they did take some good steps in this episode, then I would rather have him be the one to exit the show than Robert. I would rather have Robert be the villain and like sink into some sort of rivalry with Liam where he does play up that smarmy side of himself or like maybe he becomes jaded by Liam's betrayal with Catherine. Like I love Cyrus so much that if he has to just sit on the sidelines and putts around being sad, I would rather he die. Sure. (laughs) That sounds Um, terrible. I would obviously never say that about a real person. All right. Favorite moment or image from this episode? You know, I'll be honest. uh, I don't think you'll agree with me because I don't think he liked it as much, but I do think the moment between starting from when Liam tackles Beck through Cyrus clapping through the line about being very English about it, I think that was probably the moment I liked the most of this episode. I get it. I liked the English line a lot. I think everything in this episode was fine, but nothing, not a lot stuck out at me like super super strongly like as clear standout moment so yeah like, the nothing... things yeah. the things i appreciated in this episode were small things like right Le- uh eleanor using her intercom system to demand bacon without presumptuous flirtation cyrus saying that robert was his favorite nephew because he only has two so it was a very obvious slap in the face to liam and I, I, I'm going to say it again. I really liked the moments between Catherine and Robert when she kind of cut him down to size a little bit. It actually made me start liking her. And since we've spent five episodes with this character now, that was kind of a huge relief. Sure. It felt like a reprieve. And, you know, I'm not a, I never like to be hating on our lady characters. I usually try to root for them. So um, I'm glad that she has something resembling a personality now but i guess that does it for this yeah. week we'll see you next week for our uh, the weirdly belated christmas episode yeah, oddly enough yeah that, this but... wasn't us scheduling something wrong the royals decided to play their christmas episode several Very weeks late. after the holiday season so make of Don't that know what you why, will but there you go we'll have a we'll have a merry christmas back to the winter wonderland next episode it's not quite christmas in july but it's something sure all Uh, right then (laughs) i've been zach powers i've been shannon camp bye visit stage of fools on our twitter at stage of fools pod or on our facebook page stage of fools the Royals is property of E. Stage of Fools is produced by Darren Husted. Artwork by Joshua Hollis.